0: this morning as we continue looking at great truths in small places. Great truths in small places. Friday, our youngest grandson, Jordy, turned six. He is, he is small, but I'm pretty convinced he may be the meanest of all four of them. Dynamite comes in small packages. Amen. You know, Jesus was used to that. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Camden, Ohio? And the answer is absolutely yes. And Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. You see, our job is to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And God always comes through with his promise. In a few minutes, we'll give an invitation And if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ, this might be a day when God begins to pull at your heart. And my prayer is that you would not let anything in this world keep you from coming to Jesus. Amen? Because that's why we're here. This morning when you woke up, God had a purpose for your life, and that was for you to serve Him with your life. Lord, I thank you today that you love us. I thank you for your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit speak again and, and do it again, God. Not, not to, to make Brother Greg look good or, or the church feel good about ourselves. God, I pray that you would do it again for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. A hundred years earlier, the prophet Jonah went to Nineveh reluctantly to the point where he ran away from God. God said, I'll get your attention. So he had a great fish swallow him and then deliver him on land. And I believe Jonah hit the ground preaching like he'd never preached before to Nineveh. And there was a great revival. And the Bible says that even the authority, even, the, even those in charge uh, made a decree that we, from now on, we will serve Jonah's God. We see the power of God and what it can do. You know, uh, many of you are on that 21-day journey with us. And if I'm not mistaken, this morning is, today is, is the 14th. Is that right? And I haven't, I haven't written a recap. Uh, hang in there with me today for yesterday. I'll do that sometime this afternoon. But I've discovered a lot about myself and my relationship with Renee. I realize that sometimes I'm very stubborn. If you've never said amen in your life, there was your shot right there. <laughs> I also recognize that sometimes uh, I let things fester by getting quiet rather than communicating. Anybody want to say amen? And, uh, and from the looks of some of these hats here today, uh, they make me laugh, I, not, not in a disrespectful way. Uh, Marilyn, I told you yours could go as a hat that would be worn in church years ago, and and, uh, Minnie Pearl, yours could too. Phyllis has a coffee cup on her head. Oh, I'm sorry, a teacup, a teacup. Um, So I also recognize that a lot of things that are important to Renee, I should treat as important to me. I don't do that. Well, when you look at this little book, it deals with that sometimes we just don't get it. So a hundred years before Nahum prophesied the word of God. And as a matter of fact, when you look at chapter two today, he's speaking as and and right as if it's happened. And what was the authenticity for a prophet of God in the Bible? A hundred percent accuracy. It was going to happen. Well, Jonah preaches the gospel, revival breaks out, the king's heart is moved and says, we're going we're to worship the king of Jonah, and now, here we are 100 years later, and Assyria and Nineveh, they've gone back to where they were. And a lot of times, that's what happens in revival, does it not? Oh, we get fired up, we love the preacher, Brother Greg came in here, and we have five services, and folks are pumped up, and we normally see people saved, Amen. And we see people follow through in baptism. And there's a good, sweet spirit. And and boy, what a great service we had two Sunday nights ago. And and what we're praying for tonight. And then a few weeks later, the water just gets a little cooler. And the fire that, that I was experiencing a couple weeks ago begins to dim. Let me tell you something about revival. Real revival does not go away in a few weeks. But yet, God was sending another messenger uh, from, a, from a, a small place with a small name, uh, from a small book that many are not familiar with, to bring a great truth. And that was, and if you have your outline with me this morning, I'm going to give you the first two right now, that God will rescue his people and that God will fight the enemy for you. Now I want to tell you something, we're living in a day that's kind of crazy, making a lot of people scared, but the good news is that God will rescue you. As a believer, heaven will be your home one day, amen? And he will fight the enemy for you. The best thing some of us could do this morning is quit trying to fight the devil in the flesh because you will come up a loser every time. But when you let the Holy Spirit of God fight for you, listen to me. David wasn't fighting the Goliath, Goliath the giant by himself he it was the power of God in him through him for his glory so the outline of Nineveh's destruction in chapter 2 is as real if it's all, as if it has already happened it's as if Nahum is seeing it firsthand even though it's a future event So I begin reading chapter 2, verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the road, strengthen your flanks, fortify your power mightily. For the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel, For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. Verses 1 and 2 talk about God rescuing his people. And I love the way that Nahum writes this. He says, Man the fort, stand on guard, watch the road, be on the lookout, strengthen your position. Call in more troops, strengthen your army, fortify, strengthen what you already have. Listen to me, folks. He's saying that God's given you every opportunity he possibly can, and you're in trouble. Do everything you can, but you're in trouble. Why? Verse 2, for the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. It's a promise. It's a promise that with the overthrow of Assyria, Nineveh would no longer be a threat, that Judah, that southern kingdom, would no longer have to worry about Assyria. And brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to remind you that the Christian life is played out on a battlefield, on a battlefield. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, uh, but Joel Betts' dad used to be a civil war reenactor. Have any of you ever done that? In essence, he dresses up like like a soldier, and he says that when you do it, like you're assigned a position, and you're even assigned whether you live or die. And I said, "What what's the T.J.'s role?" And he said, "He usually dies. He usually dies." Folks, listen to me. The message from Nahum to Nineveh is that your days are over. And I wanna remind you this morning that the devil knows that, that his days are limited and that he's on spare time, borrowed time. And one day, listen, the Bible promises us that the devil will be cast into a lake of fire forever. And you might be here today and say, boy, he's having havoc in my life this morning, Brother Greg. I wanna remind you this morning that he's having havoc in our nation as well. We live in a world where many say, I know Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I found him. But I believe the question of the hour this morning is, has he found you? He loves you. He died on Calvary's cross. The Holy Spirit is moving and convicting Listen to me, folks. A lot of people claim to to be Christians, and there's absolutely no fruit in their life that they are. You'll say, well, well, I I used to go to church, and I gave my life to Christ back when I went to church. I'm telling you, there's more to the Christian life than a one-time prayer that you pray and continue to live life on your own as if nothing ever changed. Does he know you? You know, the Bible says it's an appointed time for men once to die, Hebrews 9.27, but after this, the judgment. So the Assyrians had been used by God against Israel's apostasy. That means against Israel's unbelief, against Israel's turning away from truth. God used them. And now chapter two, Nahum writes about God's deliverance. Now, listen carefully. I believe in America... We are on a slippery slope. Apostasy is turning away from faith. The Bible says in Judges 21, you know there was a time when Israel did not want a king. And the Bible says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Folks, we are living that right now. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it's a way of destruction. Now, my, my challenge for us as a church and for anybody watching today is if we continue to turn our back on God and continue to call sin good, what will God use to get our attention? Listen carefully. As of May 12th, there have been over 6,200,000 deaths. To COVID. We are now watching an unprovoked Russia literally destroy Ukraine. Concern of World War III. The battle of the right to life is headline news with the Supreme Court's leaked draft. And standing for life in 2022 means you will be accused of being part of the problem in America. We've changed God's meaning of marriage to accommodate sinful lifestyles. And now we have leaders telling us that gender is not definite at birth, and if you don't like the way you're born or created, change it. Folks, we are living on a slippery slope. I'm telling you the devil is having a field day in America. It's not what if we become Sodom. I believe we're there. We're there. And the prayer I ask for you to pray for me is this. God, help me not to see that person who's battling or is on the other side of all of these issues. Help me not to see them as the enemy. Help me to recognize that the devil is a liar. The devil's the enemy. Help me to love people. Help me to love people. But the devil is having a field day. Listen, Nineveh had returned to their sin-sick society of living, Brother Greg didn't experience revival under Jonah. They did. And maybe you're here today, and there was a time when when you you just got right with God and He you poured your heart out to him and and He did spiritual surgery in your life and heart and and you recognize you've never been on fire or more hot for God than you've ever been when you look back at that. Uh, What has happened? What has happened? God rescues his people. God fights against the enemy. Number three, the most pressing issue of the day is your spiritual relationship with God. And it is easy to put off things that need to be taken care of today. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The older you get, the more you think about something called a will. Anybody want to help me? Say amen. Everybody acting like they're young right now? My mom and dad have done some things to help us be prepared to the point where Renee and I want to do the same thing for our kids. But the greatest thing my mom and dad have ever done is given me assurance that one day if I say goodbye to them on this life, on this planet, and this earth, that I know I'll see them again in a place called heaven. You see, sometimes, listen to me, sometimes, we, and, and folks, I am no different than any of you, and we are no better parents than any of you, and we've got four grand boys playing ball in every, every different direction, and sometimes I think we think life is made up of a Little League trophy. You, you plug in your sport. You plug in your system. And I'm telling you, those things will fall by the wayside one day and become less and less important. But the things that you're teaching them now when it comes to the things of God are eternal. You know, Miami graduating, we're proud of all of them. Uh, We'll acknowledge our grads next Sunday. It'll be a fun service. It's always an important time. But there's no uh, educational degree going to make you happy. Oh, there's a sense of completion, amen? Uh, School's just about out. These teachers are fired up. These kids are ready for a big summer. But I'm telling you, when the smoke settles from all the celebration, there will still be the question, what's next? What's next? Well, get a good job, amen? We pray that happens. Maybe get married, maybe not. Some will, some won't. Maybe have kids, maybe not. Some will, some won't. And before long, we just continually chase the wind, thinking that things will bring the peace and contentment that only Jesus can. Let me tell you something real revival only comes when it comes from Jesus. Now, I believe in good preaching, don't you? I love good preachers. And any good evangelist can make any of us feel lost. What do you mean? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've been closer to Jesus than you are right now? Asking questions like that. If you're not, if you're not 100 in, if you're 99 in and 1%, you're unsure. And we all say, boy, is that me? Is that me? Is that me? Let me tell you something. When you give your life to Jesus, it's not something anybody can talk you out of. Because you're trusting the Word of God to not only save you, the Holy Spirit of God convicting you, the cross of Calvary, Jesus died on, you placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone, amen. He not only saved you, but he keeps you saved every single moment. You say, Greg, how do you know that? Because if you could save yourself, you'll lose it. I love that. We talked about this the other night, Bible school. Bible school is so different than it was when we were little. They have themed meals. We had, if it was a good night, you had a chocolate cookie and a vanilla cookie. And you had the best orange drink you've ever had in your life. And it was in a small Dixie cup. And you, and you poured that down and you thought, man, a lot, this is best Bible school. You, you all helped me out, amen? Simple, simple. But like Nahum, a drift takes you away from the simplicity of the gospel. And he was dealing with that in Nineveh's life. Now, when you think about the world in which we live, the devil having a field day, uh, Nineveh had returned to their old lives. Now, look, if you will, at verse 3. The shields of his mighty men, who? Nineveh, are made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. They're dressed in red. The chariots come with flaming torches. Nineveh, Assyria, was known for exceptional chariots, better than the rest. And in the day of his preparation, the spears are brandished. The chariots uh, would have spears that could be exposed on their wheels. So as they would get close to the enemy, they would do great damage in the battle. And the chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in broad roads. They seem like torches. They run like lightning. If you were to stop right there, you'd think, boy, Assyrian's army, Nineveh's army is is something. The wickedness of Nineveh was something, folks. And it was probably hard for many to say, we are a part of this. Now, several things are mentioned in verses three and four. The Bible says their shields are red. Jay Vernon McGee, a, a, a preacher of yesterday that many love, Jay Vernon McGee wrote these words, "I don't believe the shields were red due to the blood of the enemy." He goes on to say that the Assyrians were fond of the color red and the scarlet. It was a prominent color they used in their art. They were interested in it. It was an identifier. I respectfully might disagree with J. Vernon McGee. I believe it's also symbolic of the blood of their enemies. They were intimidators. They would get you not to even think about fighting. I believe it's symbolic of the blood that has been shed. Listen to me this morning. You know what's happening to Nineveh? It's Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Um, many of you maybe uh, plant have planted some form of garden so far, and, and I've, I'm doing it a little different this year, and I, I'm not planting any beans, so I had some room. And my dad said, you ought to plant some watermelon. I said, okay. I like watermelon, first of all, to eat. And Kasia said it one store she recently went to, they were $10. Okay. So you're looking right now at your bivocational pastor who's a watermelon farmer. So I went to the the nursery up in Eaton and I saw two kinds. So I thought, I'm going to plant two kinds, give the customers variety. And when I went to the counter, the girl looked at me and said, Sir, you know we sell these individually if you want to buy them individually. They were in four packs. I said, No, I'll take off all eight. Two four packs, not 32. Two four packs, eight eight plants. I know this enough about melons to know that that's going to go crazy, viney, take over the garden. Who cares? who cares? Here's what I'm counting on. Everybody listen in. I'm counting on reaping what I sow. I sure hope those are watermelon. I sure hope I don't have the best pumpkin patch in treble <laughs> County. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, that's the picture of Nineveh here. And Nahum is, is saying, your time is over uh, you go ahead and deceive yourself, number four. You can deceive man, but you cannot bluff God. You cannot bluff God. What were they doing? They were trying to frighten the enemy. They were always evil. They were always mobile. They were, they were always immoral. They slaughtered the innocents. Despite all of their self-assurance, Nahum's word is you're not going to be able to stand. You do whatever you want to do. Man the fort, watch the road, strengthen your flanks, get your army together. Your time is coming to an end. And brothers and sisters, this morning, our shields are not stained with blood from the battle. Listen, we're covered with the blood-stained cross of the Lord Jesus, who fights our battles for us. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus, you can say this, I am saved. And what you're saying is, my sins have been forgiven. I'm saved from an eternity in hell. By a loving Savior and his death on the cross for me. Now look at the leadership. Verse 5. He remembers his nobles, they stumble in their walk, they make haste to her walls, and the defense is prepared. The gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. It is decreed. She shall be led away captive, she shall be brought up, and her maidservant shall lead her as with the voice of does, beating their breast. Though Nineveh of old was like a pool of water, verse eight, now they flee away. Halt, halt, they cry, but no one turns back. You see, when you look at the leadership here, you recognize that it is weakened. The Bible says the gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. The palace is dissolved. They cry, stop, stop. But in desperation, they run for their life. They flee. Nobody's going back. And they're plundered. Who is this? This is Nineveh. This is Nineveh who has walked away from the things of God. Verse 10 She is empty, desolate, and waste. The heart melts and the knees shake. Much pain is in every side. All of their faces are drained of color. You know what happens here? They're robbed of their hope. They're robbed of their hope. Number five. While life or circumstances might seem to be getting the best of you this morning, the good news is Jesus is the one who offers hope. He's never seen a mess he couldn't handle. He, he's, listen, He might be here to say, Brother Greg, my heart is so hard. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit can soften your heart if you're willing to say, I surrender. I surrender. You say, Brother Greg, I can never get to that point of weakness to surrender. Let me tell you something. That's not a point of weakness. That's a point of strength. That's a point of strength saying, God, I have nothing. I can't change myself. I can't fix myself. So what does he do? Nahum moves the message from the, the you're finished to encouraging those from Judah. Look at verse 11. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions where the lion walked, the lioness and the lion's cub, and no one made them afraid? He's talking about Nineveh, the lion that tore in pieces enough for his cubs, killed for his lionesses, filled the caves with prey and his dens with the flesh. Where are they? Where's your might? Where's everything that you were bragging about? Where's all the self-infliction that you, uh, it, it, that you paid out to others in doom? Where are you? The Bible says in James 4:14, 4, "We don't know what will happen tomorrow." Anybody want to say amen? For what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a moment and then vanishes away. You see, sometimes we think we're going to ride where we're at forever. Maybe you're here today and everything is good. Everybody's healthy. You've got a job with steady income. You've got vehicles that run and a roof over your head and Most of the things are working at home. Life does not always stay in that lane. You might be here today, listen, and you're hurting in your marriage. Your relationship with your kids is awful. You haven't spoken to your parents who are still alive because of something that's happened. Folks, I'm telling you, the Bible says life is short. Don't put off uh, what needs to take place. You see, Nineveh thought they, they would just live there forever and just make life miserable and kill innocent people And God doesn't care and God doesn't see. But here he says, Where is the lion? Where is the king? Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Number six, if your identity this morning is in anything other than Jesus, today's the day's surrender. You know, I think about that sometimes. You'll understand this. I mean, who will I be when I'm not your preacher anymore? Maybe you're here today and you're retired and and you worked somewhere for a long time and, and once you retired, I bet you there was a transition for you where you recognized that your identity was not just wrapped up in a job you did for so many years. You see, our identity is in Christ and we get to the point, folks, we get to the point with Jesus, we surrender. We surrender. Look at verse 13. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall be heard no more. You see these shields of these mighty men are red, the valiant men in scarlet, the chariots that were coming with flaming torches, The Bible says in verse 13 that even the prey of Nineveh would be cut off. Would be cut off. They jostle one another, the Bible says, in the broad roads. And then at the very end of this chapter, Nahum slips this in. And the voice of your messengers shall be heard no more. You know what he's saying? Number seven. There's no longer a need to fear Nineveh. They're done. They're finished. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's no longer a need to fear the devil. Oh, he's real, and he's a liar, and he will fight you every step of the way until you die on this earth and head to heaven. But I'm telling you, Jesus has made us more than conquerors, and when you give your life to Christ... The Lion of Judah we sang about this morning, he's the one who will do the fighting for you. I love love this. I love the fact that God uses insignificant names sometimes or insignificant places to do big things. Now look at me and we're done. Some of you sitting right here today need to give your life to Christ. In just a moment, we're gonna sing and I'm gonna invite you to come and stand with me just like I did a long time ago, and in a few minutes, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right here together, and you can settle it once and for all. I beg you to come today. Some of you this morning are Christians. You love the Lord, but you're running the wrong way. Is it time to get right with God? Hey, we're not talking about Nineveh getting further and further away from God. We're talking about revival, and that can begin begin this morning. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Murph and Barb to come and stand right here. Maybe you're here today and you're a married couple and you just need somebody to pray for you. Feel free to come. Okay, you come down. Tim and Lena over here. Cody's going to stand here. If, if there's anything that, that God's moving or dealing in your heart about today, just let this be a time of free, freedom. Amen. And let's ask God to move. Let's stand together.